Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome to the Colourful Local Identities podcast. My name is Bob Gordon and my guests this episode are from Perth's beloved community station RTRFM 92.1 and they are station manager Simon Morado and, well, just master of all operations, <laughs> Chris the Chief Wilden. Thanks for um, having me. No, no. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking us. Yeah. Thanks for calling us colourful identities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a well, first. well, when I say having me, I'm privileged. I'm sitting in the in a uh, studio in a DJ booth at the D, the pointy DJ end. Yeah, uh, looking at all these buttons. I don't know how to operate. <laughs> just don't touch them, Bob. No, no. Just, <laughs> my hands are in my pockets. So we're we're chatting because on April thirtieth. Quite appropriately, it's the 30th anniversary edition of In the Pines, which is an iconic annual event uh, that the station holds at UWA at the Somerville Auditorium. Um, I have lots of memories myself of it, having covered it over the years for uh, on the Express Magazine days and other publications too, and went to the, the first one, which we'll get to. But just in terms of the event, as a, like, I guess it's, you have many events that you run, but it's like a flagship event and also its importance in your overall fundraising. Um, how would you characterise it? Uh, well, first of all, the 30th, being on the 30th was an accident. Um, some people have told me, oh, that's really good that you organised that. I'm like, oh, I didn't. I just you know, noticed it when I was literally saying, speaking yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, same, when I when I put the poster together. Um, in terms of what we, in terms of the the overall fundraising, it's it's a fairly significant one. I mean, it's, it's an odd one because it costs a lot to put on, but then the hope is at the other end we, we, we make the money. Um, in terms of our event, it's the biggest event that we put on in terms of people, um, organization and logistics um, and then the hope is is that the money comes in and, and most of that money comes in through bar sales um, in terms of how it runs in terms of the um, overall operating Simon's probably more suited to, to answer that um, but Pines is one of those events now and I think it's become as important money wise for us as a branding exercise and as a, as a way to get our name out there and, and to build a new audience and, and we're finding 
um, a discussion we've been having a lot is there's so many kids are coming now, which is great because hopefully they will continue to come and then yeah. In the Pines last for another 20, 30, 40 years as long as we can still do it. And those kids bring their kids and there's this sort of like secular thing. And it's, it's become one of those events that the money is important and we make some money from it and that's great. But it's almost a secondary to the idea of doing something to celebrate West Australian music in this really awesome sort of snapshot. And I think that's what Pines has become, which is maybe more important than, than, than the money side of things. Yeah, okay. and I think it's important to know that we kind of consider a, a bit of a state of the union of WA music. It's, it's now, you know, as, a, as an elder states festival after 30 years, it is a bit of an honour to be asked to play it and to, to be able to say, yeah, I've done Pines, I've ticked that off on the the WA music bucket list for example so it's a great kind of induction for young bands but it is a bit of a you know reflecting on the past lineups being able to say that yeah kind of every you know fairly significant WA band worth its salt has played pines it feels uh very I guess feels like a good cultural contribution to be able to assemble as, as Chris does and the team do this lineup each and every year and say this is what music kind of looks like in WA right now, yeah, and to, to your point as well as as a branding exercise, I mean the, the that's a very you know Chris is always so commercially minded, you know that's his, <laughs> his capitalist mindset. Um, I'm teasing, but the the idea of it is that RTRFM is a radio station, but sometimes as a community radio station, the radio doesn't feel very tangible, and this is a moment where we can kind of get everyone together in one space and, and celebrate and be that community and you can have 1500 people in the same area in the Somerville celebrating WA music seeing people they haven't seen or they only ever see at Pines uh, or every other RTR fundraising event and it's that sort of tangible moment where I think RTR FM kind of escapes the airwaves and becomes a real thing. Yeah, it does. And it's, I mean, it is about the RTR community, but even kind of outside it, it's kind of like, you know, in generally around November, there's the Wham Fest. And uh, it's this document of, uh, event document of, you know, the uh, music culture in WA at that time. And uh, also when they have the WA Day uh, events kind of thing. Mm, yeah. And, but in the Pines is like that. Um, beyond RTR, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's almost a historical document. So we, when we, when we started putting together the thirtieth, and we sort of keep a running track, but we, um, we try to get a list of all the bands that have played Pines, and it was a bit of to and fro and looking at our posters, asking some people that were around, um, people like Adam Trainer and Ross Chisholm, and, and uh, we didn't ask you, Bob, but you know, we, next time, no one does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's sort of a historical document. So you can look at... So if you wanted to know what bands were doing anything in 2004, you look at who played in the Pines, and that'll sort of give you a really good indication. Some of those bands may still be bands. Some of the, those bands may have been a flash in the pan and only played one Pines, and maybe that was their only gig or their third gig, and then they just disappeared. They got their uni degree yeah. and they went and engaged yeah, they went and, married picket bands. Yeah, exactly. They went and lived a proper life as opposed to this silly music business. <laughs> um but yeah, it's the same as, as Wham or as State of the Union, or even if you look at on a, on a broader level, um, you know, something like Coachella or Glastonbury. There, festivals are almost this um, documentation of a historical time, and you can look back and see who played those festivals and what was famous at that time, um, or what was doing something at that time. And I think that's Pines is one of those. You look back at, say, the two thousand and nine Pines had Tame Impala and Pond play, mm. um, and within three months. 
Tame Impala were touring the world and, and now, you know, they played Glastonbury and Coachella. So there's almost this sort of snapshot of, of history, which um, you wouldn't have unless you could bring all of those people together and everyone's on it for the same reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's always um, predominantly it's 18 plus, but there's often young kids with their families there. And indeed, my son Cooper, who is uh, 23, his first ever musical event that he went to was in the Pines when he was about eight months old and he had a Clash London Calling t-shirt on. <laughs> um, Very cool. And the first band he saw uh, was Gator Negra, Cat Hope's oh, band. Jeez, yeah. And then more recently he's been like a videographer working at, at Triple J. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of, I like that that was his first live music experience. You know? Yeah, we, we do find, um, you know, we talk about this. So we, we do a gig called Neon Picnic, which is sort of our family-friendly kids' activities, all that sort of stuff. Pines is not a kids' gig, but people bring their kids because it's a chance. I mean, some people have been going since 1994, and they were 18 then. Now they're, whatever the maths is on that. 40 48. plus, 40, yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. 48 or yeah. even even um, younger, and they have kids. And, of course, they want to bring their kids in, and engage w- with the world that they love, and they want their kids to be involved. I mean, you know, you'd know, uh, Bob, it's not always you can ram music down your child's throat as much as you like, but they might end up l- liking bad music. So you have to sort of keep them put in front of them. Was very aware of that the yeah. whole time. <laughs> but but that, ex- that example, you know, just after I got the job here, I brought my three-month-old to In the Pines. It was his first gig. He was wearing his Bowie shirt. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and I think part of it as well is, yeah, Chief's absolutely right. It's not a kid's gig. It's not an all-ages gig. It's very much a, a music festival. But the way it's programmed is that you can have that sort of fun picnic a bit further back, you know, not right up front against the stage. And I think people also respect that the RTRFM community is a safe place. You can you can ideally bring your younger kids and feel like this is going to be a good vibe music event. Yeah. And and we all know that's not always the case, certainly at, at other festivals in, that we've all been to over the years. So, uh, yeah, it's not a kid, kid's gig, but I think it sort of speaks to the idea of uh, comfort within the ITR community. Yeah. And we definitely see that idea of the generational that people coming through. So um, an example is uh, TK N, who does all the artwork for us, Ken, and has done the artwork for Pines for about 15 years. This year, his son did the video for it. So his That's son's great. now 21, 22. Um, he came last year and he did some videographer for us. So, so there's this sort of... Um, you know, there's bands like um, Felicity Groom had her kids up on stage a couple of years ago. And yeah. uh, Adam Kay from Turnstile and Community Chest, Nate, their young son, has been coming to In the Pines. And I know the there's a whole bunch of people that have now have kids that are in bands and they're, they're, they're bringing their kids to it and they get to hang out backstage and even be on stage with mum and dad. And, and that's a great thing because those kids then become our next listeners, but also they're the next musicians, which is, which is I think it's quite a... Um, I think it's a fairly rare thing that that still exists in the world. It is. And you mentioned Neon Picnic, um, which has sort of re-emerged in the last sort of five years, mm. but um, Neon Picnic was the precursor to, to In the Pines. And um, I recall the um, from in 1994 going to the first one, I, from what I recall, it was put together pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, it was like, oh, the... Perth Festival film season ends on this date, and there's this week where it can something could be done, and uh, they put like, was, um, 
yeah, it was Michael Roberts and um, oh, a couple of the other people at the time. Yeah, I think the way, it, and I don't know for sure, and someone might correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure there was this, Kath Letch was the station manager yes, at the time, yeah. and there was this real sense of Neon Picnic had gone for a couple of years. I think one was at Fremantle Arts Centre. That was, I remember the, going to the yeah, final one. It was um, there, yeah. Which a couple of, you know, interesting bands, I think Errol H. Tout played the first one, mm. and, and, um, and we brought that back um, 10 years ago now because we brought it back on the 40th anniversary because it ah. just so happened that 40 years later of RTR, um, it was on the first, no. Six years ago. Six years ago. Where are we? 46, yeah, six yeah. years ago. RTR's 46 yeah. and uh, in the past just stage does. too many anniversaries. Yeah, just stage does. Um, and I think Kath Lech basically, yeah, the uni said, look, because we were based at the uni then, said, yeah. look, we've got this space. We've got maybe two weeks that you can do something there if you like. And I think Kath, Kath realised that the money was drying up from the uni and was going to continue to dry up um, and they needed to do something to, to generate some income. So, yeah, I think they pretty hastily put it together. There's some great photos of, of Ray Wee Lyle, who's still involved in the yeah. station, you know, carrying an amp, you know, as a, as a strapping 20-year-old um, and photos of, of the door sort of sort of haphazardly put together and... There's lots of different little nuances and, and stories, and it was two five dollars, I think. And it was primarily volunteer driven. I mean, you mentioned yeah. Kath, and I was on the phone with her recently trying to convince her to come to this one. Um, but yeah, it was. It's RTR wasn't the the um, operation it is today, which is still very much a small scale community radio station. But it was really brought to life in the Pines in those early days by volunteers. Yeah. Um, that is still very much the case. I mean, there is a staff, and Chris is, is our events manager and, and looks after Pines. But what is the number? Is it 70 volunteers that we need to run Yeah, Pines? so this in the Pines will have 80 volunteers. Um, so it's usually around that 80 to 90 volunteers who work sort of three-hour shifts. Um, but, yeah, when it first started, there was no event manager. There was no staff. And I don't think it was until that 2000 that someone was sort of hired to do that um, as a contractor. Uh, but even then, everything was very haphazard. When I started at RTR... In 2005, I think my first volunteer in, in the Pines was about 2007, and it was all over the place. You know, there was it was cash for one thing. Yeah. So there was thousands of dollars just in the state, station manager's car parked up, like, next to the <laughs> bar because um, we didn't realise there was a safe at UWA that we could actually use. Um, you know, the freezer truck was parked inside it, which was a nightmare to get in and out, a small little gap. Um, there was no real kind of rubbish collections so it's just like rubbish everywhere that volunteers had to go around and, and pick it up but you know as, as time has gone on and as, as we've learned it's got a lot slicker yeah. well, but it's still the same gig it's yeah. still if you look at photos from 1994 it's just one stage on that oh that was i think it was one stage then yeah and then in, in sort of two, 98 97 i think it became two stages but this ethos is the same it's just a nice community driven come and have a picnic watch some bands enjoy yourself yeah I remember with the first song, also that Josie Mitchell was at the station at the time, yep. and she was a real mover and shaker uh, in, with W.O. Music and getting things done. Yeah. Uh, I, I recall putting on a Yummy Fur t-shirt, the Further EP, and, and getting along to it. And um, it, was, um, it was a couple hundred people there uh, when I got there in the afternoon. And, uh, and then it, it built up a lot, not like the... The, the crowd now, which is, is essentially it always sells out. Yeah, just it just felt new and and um, just w really worthwhile. I remember because of course Dave Johnson from Ammonia is playing this one. I um, almost started the first ever fight 
in the fight, possibly the Maybe only one. Maybe the only one. ever fight, yeah. And I'm, you know, you know me. I'm not one who really cares to mix it up. <laughs> but I, um, I was just standing around having a drink, and I had spoken to Dave, and then someone introduced me to this guy from like '94 around. There was a lot of like surf metal bands from Scarborough, and then this kind of long-haired guy, pretty surfy, muscular. Oh, I met him, I was introduced to him, how are you going, mate, kind of thing. And then I was talking, it's Adam yes. Connors, an old station alma mater. Was, I was talking to him and someone came up to me and said, do you know where Dave Johnson from Ammonia went? And just uh, as I went to point in this direction, as I raised my hand over to the left, this guy that I just met walked by and, and my hand hit him in the cheekbone like I had punched him. Ah, And it was just the... Proximity and the timing. How ferocious was this pointing you were doing? No, I just uh, oh, he's over there. Remember, it's radio, it's podcasting. I know, so they can't I know. See you do so that, I'm Bob. just raising my uh, hands. So the, the trajectory the of my slightly closed hand, and it was just all timing, a short distance, and it just like really, yeah, thumped wow. him. And he just turned he around and went, what the fuck? Yeah. And I think I was just, and he could tell by the look on my face that I, I was not someone who had meant to kin hit him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, mate, I was just pointing over yeah, there. Yeah. And he he looked r- rattled and so obviously did I. But I was like, look, I'm sorry. And he yeah. just sort of shook his head and, and walked off and um and then I think like Adam Connors sort of said, "Oh, you like to mix it up, do you?" I said, "No, no, I don't." No. Well, it would be interesting. Was there then? I mean, I imagine there wasn't security or anything like that. I imagine it I was recall. fairly haphazard in terms of liquor licensing, and not not because of the station, you know, usurping the rules. I just don't think they existed in in Perth. I think it was a bit bit of a loose 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 place and, and pretty friendly crowd, you know, apart yeah, of from course. me. Yeah, but... well, in my. <laughs> 15 years of going to Pines. I think the only time we've ever had to kick someone out is because they were smoking, which you can't do at UWA anymore, which wouldn't have been an issue there. I'm sure everyone was, was lighting up. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they went, oh, yeah, okay. And they just left nice and casually because they, they didn't listen twice to the security guards and to me. And then they just casually walked out. I think that's the only real trouble we've had. The yeah. 2009 Pines, people were jumping the fences, which got a bit hairy. Yeah. But a lot of those, when they jumped and we saw them and we removed them, they removed, they, you know, we said, look, literally just sit outside. You can hear Tame Impala play. Just sit out there. Just don't come in, sort of thing. And that was yeah. that's the only real issues I've I've heard of. In the last few years that I've worked uh, here and, and and at the Pines, the only issues I've had with punters have been one guy who was just so drunk he he literally could not operate Uber on his phone. Yeah, like, to get a lift out. So that was my responsibility. <laughs> uh, otherwise, it's all people just having a a nice time with one another. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, Bob, depending on what you do now that Dave, Dave will be returning if that incites more fury. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. just, just chill out, Bob. <laughs> do you know who that guy is? No, no, I don't think I saw him again. Right. Like, I remember I'd seen him in band He was scared off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How odd. I hope he did revisit it. But he, he seemed more a metal guy. I don't, yeah. I don't know. It's never been a strong... The surf metal scene, I don't know if it's uh, as vibrant today as it was maybe in 1994. <laughs> oh, just, it yeah. is just different. Oh, it's yeah. just different. But, oh, but it was it was kind of the leading genre for kind of live music and attendances yeah, right. then. It was either indie, indie cardigan-wearing yes, stuff yeah. Or, yeah. The, or that metal scene. Yeah. It was very um, tribal. Well, it's interesting as well that like we, when you look at all the... 
bands that have played in the Pines, and there's about 400 of them, and some of them have done it multiple times. You know, I think Kill Devil Hills are probably up to their sixth or seventh um, in the Pines. Um, Adam said Galore played a whole bunch. Turnstile played a lot. Um, were there any bands, can you remember, that were really big in Perth that played a Pines and then just kind of disappeared and no one's ever really heard of again? Because we know the, the obvious, the Eskimo Joes, Little Birdies, Jebediahs, Taming Parlors. Yeah. But can you remember, you know, like some of them are odd names, the Greenwood Shampoo Appreciation Society. <laughs> well, that was the Adam said galore spin-off. Oh, it? okay. Yeah, yeah. Was so that there's... also Jason Cleary? Was he in that band? No, Jason Cleary was... was he was in, in Three Orange Whips. Three Orange Whips, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, one, it's funny, Lamia played. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they moved to Melbourne. They they were very popular here and and very popular Fremantle kind of thing. It's when things were a bit more a bit more of a demarcation between a Perth band and a Fremantle band at the time as well. And they they moved to Melbourne and then the, the kind of the '90s story of what happens when Perth bands yeah. move to Melbourne yeah. happened. So yeah. same with that band, Favorite Game. Yeah, um, it, it, it was just an incredibly difficult journey to make, and uh, but. I remember they played, and of course, you know, Pete Stone now just runs amazing arts events. Mm. He's at City of Melbourne now, but he, and he was instrumental at uh, that Highway to Hell yeah. uh, thing. And um, and Kate Kelly, his his wife, was the vocalist in Lamia. And I did uh, actually ask them to play about two years ago. Oh, you did to reform, yeah. and they they sort of politely declined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just not in uh, the space to do it. Mm. Um, but the other two chaps from Lamy are, are still musicians in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, I, I just remember, I guess it's the names that you, you do remember in a way rather than the ones that went away that you don't. But yeah. obviously Circus Murders and mm. um, Cinema Prague and um, uh, so, uh, Valbalux. Yeah. Well, what's great about those is that you know, last year was our 45th anniversary of the station and we did this sort of fun tongue-in-cheek what are the 45 greatest WA songs? And we had a bit of a short list. People could write in. And that's a list that, you know, if you saw that in a in a major daily paper, for example, you can kind of guess what acts would land on it. And then in our 45, because of our community and their long memories, Cinema Prague did get in there, you know, and Circus Murders were in the top yeah, yeah. 100 or whatever it was when we looked at the numbers. So those bands, you know, went on to do nothing is not a fair kind of assessment. They obviously had a, an impact here locally, but they're still really fondly remembered, probably in part because of their, their times at mm. Pines. Yeah. And the odd thing, and I don't know if it's really that documented, but there has been one Eastern States band that has played it in the really? Pines. And from memory, they were called the Lizard, the Lizard Train. Right. They were from, like, Sydney or something, and the tour just happened to be, like, on the Pines weekend. Yeah. Um, it must maybe it just must have been something of someone knowing someone, Some, yeah. And it was like, oh yeah, yeah, just get them on. Along. Yeah, we yeah. got to strike them off the tote bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to see it on the tote bag, Chris. We have, have I have <laughs> been asked by Eastern States bands if they can play Pines. Yeah. Um Darren Hanlon asked once, and I think Josh Pike asked to play Pines once. You know, they had two sort of you know traveling troubadours. who sort of every now and again. Darren Hanlon's always here as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it is very much a, a West Australian West Australian gig, and and uh, we'll have to remember that. We'll have to take them off any kind of merchandise in future for mm. the fiftieth. A cease and desist. Yeah. <laughs> if, they, if they try and promote themselves off the back of it. Yeah. Well, but, well, but, you know, again, as we kind of mentioned off air, 
um, you've been to so many of, of the Pines, probably more than Chris and I certainly. Are there any other more specific performances that really stood out from you, whether they are a you know he- headline kind of name band or, or one of those unsung yeah, bands? Yeah, there's a few, I guess. Like the Sleepy Jackson, I recall playing, and, and that was at a time when everyone was kind of comparing them a lot to UMI. But you know, it was this like Luke Steele's just his kind of attention span of influence and everything was, you know, that was just one phase that may have been a couple of months at most. But they were their own band too and everything. But also, you know, he had a, a, an inclination to kind of just disregard the song arrangement. Yeah. And then uh, the other guys would have to kind of just sort of frantically try out. and yeah, yeah. work out where he was going. I remember he did a bit of that. Um, that would I have mean, been before the album. So, that would have been before the album. Before came the album, out, right? yeah, yeah, around maybe a first EP or something, yeah. or the mini skirt single or something like that. I remember they came to my school in like 1998 as part of a Wham. 98? <laughs> yeah, it was like a Wham school thingy that Peter Barr was the MC of. And yeah, Sleepy Jackson played, which is quite odd. And then, then you know, he became who he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I recall the the infamous Cheetah Five set where. The Fire one? The Fire yeah, one. We've got a photo I don't know of that. this one. What's this? So they, they brought a barrel on stage um, and lit it on fire because they were called the Cheetah Fire. Cheetah che- Fire? No, Cheetah Fire. Yeah. So it was Kent, um, who used to be uh, in the, another band who played in the Pines, The Fiends, who had a kind of um, horror, schlock horror kind of right. vibe about them. Um, the, and, but it was garage, gritty garage pop and songs of a, a minute 30 and kind yeah. of thing. But song, well, Songs like kind of Giant Ant, and uh, that's the, the one. But I used to love them. I used to see them all the time. And Peter Barr was actually kind of a, their photographer. I right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember that. That was that was great. It was yeah, just, so just they, completely. They brought a barrel on stage and just lit it up. Lit it up. He had yeah. a, he had a Malibu yeah. surfboard as well. Right. Um, but yeah, the the. <laughs> it was yeah. a fire on the stage. It was so a very different energy to anything else that was going on. Mm. Um, I remember just like sets by like you know Cinema Prague and um, yeah that sort of um, well that, that that the dynamics was just crazy. Yeah. Um, Eskimo Joe played it in '97, and in uh, the weeks leading up to it, I'd written a a review of them at playing at the Grosvenor Hotel backroom and at that time that was just after they'd won the campus band competition and everything and they just were they were still a side band of Freud's Pillow and so yeah. they used to play a bunch of covers to fill out their set and they'd been doing it for a little while and I remember in the review in Express I said you know you've got to forget this Rainbow Connection stuff and you know <laughs> what that turned into is that I sang Rainbow Connection with them at in the pines that year or i sang like uh because they do like a punk version of it and so i sang a uh the, like a normal soft version like kermit does not in a kermit, in the kermit. No, yeah. no i did it <laughs> um and sang that and then they uh headed off into um like the punk version kind of thing but so you know cab introduced me to the stage and they had like a real following yeah and um i remember these girls at the front because i'd written this thing and we all just sort of laughed about it but it looked like there was this tension yeah, or something yeah, yeah. it wasn't and also i sang at the rain bob connection but there were these girls 
at the front of the stage giving me the finger. Right. And so you I, was, messed, I did it back. You messed with our Eskimo Joe. Yeah. So I did it back and I remember, um, uh, yeah, Joel saying to me, looking at me from the drum kit, singing this delicate verse of the Rainbow Connection with both my middle fingers <laughs> at these girls. Again, I think in the Pines has brought out you're some behaviour in me. You're very much not an aggro Calm person. Down, Bob. This is very strange. <laughs> I, I do remember that the Tigers, uh, they weren't the Tigers at the time, or they were just becoming the Tigers, but they were under 18 and they couldn't get in. Yeah. So they offered to clean the stage. So Chris Kabilis, um and his gang rocked up with sort of wind with leaf blowers and they said oh yeah we'll wear the tiger wear the tiger cleaning services <laughs> so we can't get in but can we volunteer and clean the stage and then we can watch all the bands so that would have been about 97 98 yeah. as well i reckon yeah because chris is roughly my age i think a little bit older yeah i love that and you know uh, Tucker B's always put on a good performance. Yeah, I remember getting told to to piss off by Leon Ewing on the fortieth because they Beaver Loop they closed down and they were they were like ten minutes over, and I was like to Pete, look, we've got to stop now, Pete. Like we're ten minutes over, we've got to stop. And Leon was like, no, I've got one more song. Don't don't, don't take this one song away from me. This is my <laughs> big time to shine. And we're like, all right, do it quickly, and then and then we're done. Yeah, uh, Leon always liked to to push things. <laughs> yeah. I think he might be the only person who's said the C word on an RTR interview. No, I don't <laughs> no, think so. no, I can. <laughs> no, definitely not. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a week. You're pretty to certain things when you become general manager, right? Yeah, yeah. that is yeah. not the case. <laughs> but I, I remember, like, um, I used to, you know, review it for Express, and I do it on my own, and I get there at the start, and I'd. <laughs> drink beers from the start. Yeah. So by the time, you know, and I just have a great old time, you know. And it was also one of those things where when there's so many bands playing, you you may not be able to write something that definitive about all of them. It's yeah, more about the thing. Yeah. But I, I just always remember because I used to do that in the days of notebooks and everything, like that, you know, and then I'd, the Monday I'd be at work and I'd look to see through my notes and they would just... Make no sense. Oh, they just, yeah. Just yeah. look, well, I'd written them with my pen in my mouth. That's a good point. I mean, you, you've been to so many, not just Pines, but festivals in, in WA and Perth over the years and, and beyond, but, like, what was it that would set Pines apart from other gigs or other festival events? Well, I guess it's you know, when the big day out hit in 93, there hadn't really been anything like it for a while and... And there was a local stage at that and everything. That was, that was great. But um, sort of in the Pines, just at another level, just, you know, allowed or gave that opportunity for that kind of sort of... It's never been called a festival, but no. it's sort of there's aspects of a festival to it. Maybe it's not called a festival, but it's just so, it's so intimate. Yeah. And in the, that setting, it's almost like it feels smaller than the setting actually is. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously the, the pine trees kind of enclose you and, and, and everything like that. So, uh, so I, I just think it was also the, the, the community. And in the 90s, there was kind of another, I think, surge in Perth music, mm. uh, just in terms of, um, I don't know, more bands playing, more emerging, being more confident, yeah. kind of a little bit out of the shadow of the, the band's in the uh, the eighties, namely maybe like the stems, yeah, yeah, kind of thing, and and it was also really disparate genre wise as well. Um, despite there being genres that you know the the, the the classic indie thing 
was a real RTR hallmark mm. at the time, and it really supported that that kind of music. So yeah, and I just think it was a, a, everything was in ascent, and so it was like people were becoming, in a way, local heroes. Yeah. So you could hear these bands on the radio. It wasn't anything new, but it just seemed a new era of hearing these bands on the radio, hearing the people from these bands talking on the radio now and then, and then you could go and see them. Yep. And then this event came that was all about the community uh, and you were part of it. Yeah, I think uh, it's just a, it just continues to be just that lovely gathering. Yeah. The gather round, you might yeah. say. <laughs> the gather round of, yeah. I think one of the, the great things of Pines is, and not just because we do it, is... There is no sort of backstage. There's no kind of block off. This is the stage. This is the artist, and this is you. The the bands all kind of come out of that room to play their show, and then they just go mingle with the crowd, with their friends, um, whether they're you know Kim Salmon or whether they're uh, Kev Parker or whether they're the you know Drea, who's you know opening this year's Pines, and that hasn't changed in the thirty years that we've done it. There's we could have expanded it. You know, Riley Oval, which is we are doing something there this year, but a, a DJ stage. We could have made that another stage and made it bigger. That someone at some point could have made that decision. You we, could have siloed the genres. You know, that's a hip hop stage. Yeah. That's a rock stage. Yeah. Or what have could you. have included the Octagon, which is the theatre there, or the Dolphin Theatre, which is uh, adjacent. But I think keeping it within the Somerville, you know, a thousand people or fifteen hundred people, makes it special and it makes it part of sort of folklore that well I was at that Pines um, I got my ticket to that Pines or I became a gold subscriber that year to get my free ticket to in the Pines um, while still seeing these amazing bands but not feeling like you're at a festival where you're yeah. feeling and there's never been any pressure from my standpoint I've, I've been putting Pines on for six or seven years to make it you know you see some of these festivals that have fair grey fair, fair, fair go rounds and ferris wheels and you know, sponsored bars and sponsored all that sort of stuff. Silent discos. And silent discos or, you know, bumper cars, all sorts of nonsense that takes away from the music because essentially you'd, you go there to watch 10 bands or 20 bands back to back and there's and no be real with your friends. Yeah. And be with your friends and hang out and, you know, have a couple of cheeky beers and, and or a couple of cheeky non-alcoholic beers, whatever it is that takes your fancy and, and then go home on a Sunday night. And I think that's the beauty of it and I think that's what people keep on coming back to. Um, which is pretty rare. You know, we, we've said that a few times, but that's fairly rare. For There is no real influence to want to make more money because if you want to make more money, you've got to spend more money. And RTR's not really in that position to be able to do that. It's also programmed in such a way that, you know, it is an all-day event, but at other festivals, all-day event means, well, the the lesser-known bands are up early and then the headliners are at the end of the day and maybe I'll rock up at 6pm or whatever. And certainly you can rock up at any time for Pines, but the way we program it, because you're not going around nine different stages, is the the 2pm act is perfectly suited for your picnic. You know, it's perfectly suited for, you know, having your kids around or what have you. Not always. Not always, you yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> what I mean by that, what I mean by that is it's suited to the vibe and that the 5pm, the sunset 6pm act is suited to that vibe and the 9pm act yeah. and so forth. So it's not a matter of a hierarchy necessarily at the festival between the acts. Um, obviously, there are always larger names, but the idea is that at any time of the day that you go, it's kind of programmed ideally for the crowd at mm. that moment. And it's definitely shifted from what you were saying, Bob, in terms of being like an indie fest. Um, I think in the sort of early 2000s, late 2000s, there was Seriously Sound System, which was another 
RTRFM, that was the dance yeah. version of Pines at Hyde Park. Um, and the people that, you know, the people that are in charge at the station then said, well, we're not going to put dance bands on Pines because that detracts from seriously sound system, which is a sound thinking. But then there probably was about a 10-year period where there were some really amazing funk bands or hip-hop bands or, or, or the like that weren't getting played or weren't getting the gig at Pines because they were being held over for this, this other gig. You know, I think Downside um, were one of those bands that sort of, I think, Pines missed and then sort of had to revisit once they sort of they went through their trajectory and, and came back down again. I remember Offer from Odette Mercy saying they had never played until a couple of years yes, ago. Yes, that's right. And, and not because there was any sort of, you know, didn't want them to it was because it was this other gig yeah so there was that indie centric for pines and then this other one i think over the years over the last five to ten years we've definitely shifted that and there's always a hip-hop act there's a jazz act there's the indie ones there's the there's always a punk there's a heavy metal uh you know there's my one of my stories is when drowning horse played who were a very very loud band Mm. played about five o'clock in the afternoon and some poor sucker was getting married on matilda bay (laughs) and they came over and they were like the best man was like look is there any chance they could just stop playing for like five minutes while we do the ceremony. I'm like, nah, you're going to have to wait Sorry, 20 folks, minutes. That's rock and roll. <laughs> like, nah, they've started. They've got 20 minutes to go. Can you, you guys just might have... The next band's, the next band's not as loud. And these, I think it was, they were an Irish, there was an Irish guy who goes, oh, can I, oh, looks like fun. Can I have a, can I have a quick li- listen and a drink? I'm like, yeah, come on. So he came in and he had a quick beer and then he ran back over to the wedding. What so. a great best man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I recall, um, it wasn't a Pines thing, but it was uh, near the, the Netherlands Sports Shore there. Um, it was like one of those um, uh, council band competitions and I, I, I was judging. And um, so I was right uh, on a patch of grass near the river and um so they uh, had the, the bands competing and then the Love Junkies played a set before the uh, winner was announced. And so they they came on. And I can't remember the name of the song, but it, it, this chorus was, you suck the life right out of right. me. And just at that moment, and us in the audience could see it, was a couple who had just gotten married and they were posing for their <laughs> wedding photos. And this chorus was just, <laughs> just screaming, you yeah. suck the life right out of me. And we're just like rolling on the ground and these people were just smiling. Yeah. I wonder oh, if they're still is... married. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have a song. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first song. dance. Yeah. We'll always have that song, yeah. darling. <laughs> I hate you. Yeah. So that, that's, that's also another interesting part of, of Pines is that occasionally we get noise complaints. Um, and they're from people that say, you know, I've lived in this area for 25 years. How, how dare you do this event? It's like, well, we've been doing it for 25 years. Mm. If the, this is the first time you've heard it, that's not a bad thing, surely. So, yeah. yeah. It's an it's an interesting, um, you know, UWA has definitely changed. You know, it used to be, you know, essentially a joke, but they used to leave the key under the mat and just go, all right, don't wreck anything. <laughs> Whereas now it's a lot more organised and, yeah. and safe and secure and, you know, things are made sure that we're, we're, they're, they're all done properly. But UWA have been amazing that they've allowed us to do it for 30 years in the same spot. And, you know, they make a, uh, they have a lot of weddings booked into Somerville and they always find a slot for us between the movies and the wedding season for us to slot in. And they really, really helped when we would, went through the COVID period where we had to postpone it. Yeah. Um, in 2020 and then 2022 year, yeah. um, really helped us to make sure that we could keep on we could still do a Pines that year without it without missing one um, so you know massive credit to UWA for allowing us to to you know you need UWA theatres mainly for you know helping us keep this sort of tradition alive and we hope that they'll allow us to be there 
forever as long as the Somerville's still there we hope that we can do pints yeah exactly so some of the people playing uh, Humbug are back together that, yeah. it's nice that you've been doing it uh, I guess that was since the the 20th yeah the, so the tw- on the 20th one um, Adam Trainer was the music director slash events person then and he wanted to make it pretty much all reformed bands to celebrate 20 years of Pines. And I think there was like four bands, Usurper Modern Medicine, Timothy Nelson, Simone Girl Funkel, and someone else that wasn't a reformed band. This year we sort of made that decision. We actually initially, um, you know, putting down the fourth wall here for a second, Bob, we were going to do two days. So we were actually really thinking of doing a Saturday night, sort of starting mid-afternoon, doing about 10 bands that were all reformed bands, as in bands that had just got to back together just for Pines and then doing the Sunday as a normal Pines where it would be some mainly young younger bands, uh, middle, mid-level bands, mid, mid-tier bands. But then when we looked at the costs and just the, the, the idea of being there for two days and whether the audience was there, we just decided to stick to one and, and then put some DJs out on Riley Oval. And like we've been saying, it changed what Pines is, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, better off doing that as a separate gig or I think even better in this way is to integrate them yeah 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 so then yeah we we decided that we wanted about five or six reform bands so humbug is one of those I, I dropped them a line and I think that was a catalyst for them to go oh, actually you know what we're still we never released their re- that record properly it was always not it didn't always sound great we wanted to re remaster it and then you know they all two or three of them live in Melbourne one lives in Perth so they've played a couple of shows in Melbourne they're going to play a show the night before yeah uh, Dave Johnson from uh, Ammonia, um, sort of, he decided about three or four, or about two years ago to get a band together, not mm. Ammonia members, just, I think they were just dads from his school, that his kids goes to school, and yeah. they they all, you know, one of them played bass, one of them played drums, and I think they were at a, you know, quiz night or something, he said, oh, do you want to, I used to be in this band called Ammonia, do you want to come and play my songs <laughs> with me? And like, oh, okay. So they, they played last year in Perth, and I sort of met up with him when he was here, and, and, and they're coming back. Um, Split Seconds, who never really went away, but just stopped well, playing. Well, they moved to Melbourne. They moved to Melbourne, and that was yeah. another Melbourne um, yeah. scenario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, and I think Sean Pollard, who's the main driver of Split Seconds, is moving back to Perth now. He's got a little baby, so he's I think he's planning a move back. Lovely. Um, so whether they keep on playing, this is a catalyst to keep on playing. You know, bands like the Love Junkies oh, have they been can play playing. play that song again. Yeah. They've been playing a few shows, but they haven't really done much. So they're going to play, and 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 then a band like Sugar Army or a band Sugar Army there, sort of played a show about two years ago, but then it sort of fell away. Um, and they're playing with their full lineup. So Ian Burney, who was in that band, um, left to go be the bass player from Birds of Tokyo, but he um he has since come back into the Sugar Army fold, and he's going to be there. So it's a sort of the original lineup, which That's is great. Good. And then uh, you know there's some younger bands in there, bands like Dreyer and Sooks and Angie Coleman, who are sort of the next generation and then the few bands that are sort of have always been around kill devil hills and rachel deese and m burrows and rabbit island so i think it's a really good mix of reformed bands that are still like quintessential rtrfm perth bands uh mid-level bands like you know dylan's and grievous bodily calms and then some new new bands yeah. so hopefully it, it people have a good time yeah on point as ever yeah Thanks. Okay. Um, and then the DJ stage was um, was something that we really wanted to do, so we've we're moving out to Raleigh Oval. It's a bit of an experiment. We'll see how it goes, and um, whether we do it next year or whether we have a, a a sort of secondary area that's just for people that that need to have some time out, sort of a sensory. Um, it's not deprivation. What do you call it? No, like a 
Sensory zone. Sense, yeah. So there's a few sort of thoughts on on what we do and and what we do in the in the future years. But we always want to keep at that core, twenty bands under the pines, eleven till ten, half an hour each, on and off, bish bash bosh, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, that bish bash bosh is April thirty at UWA Somerville Auditorium. So Simon and Chief, thanks for joining me on Colourful Local Identity. No worries, Bob. Keep your fist to yourself this year, will you? I'll try. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.